Good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. Uh, to all of you here at our Franklin campus, to those of you joining us at our satellite locations, and to anyone who may be watching online this morning, thank you for making this a commitment, part of your commitment, to leading better at home, at work, and in our communities. The Men's Leadership Network is a resource for you, and we want you to have a voice in that. So we invite you this morning to participate by submitting your questions, any questions you may have, on our session this morning. You can do that one of three ways. You can email them to questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com. You can tweet them to at leadership underscore net. Or for those at our satellite locations or who may be watching online, you can submit them right there in the live chat window. That's enough of the housekeeping this morning. I want to get right into our speaker and give him as much time as possible. Two attributes I find most admirable about our guest today are his dedication to service and his unwavering integrity. Having served in the medical field, on the battlefield, and right here in Franklin as our mayor, this man has committed his life to bettering the lives of others. Armed with a, gr armed with a degree from the Tennessee Tech University and the University of Tennessee College of Medicine, He's practiced surgery for more than 28 years, gaining recognition as a leader both here in our state and across our nation. Filled with a passion for delivering healthcare to the underserved, he became medical director at Shalom Foundation, which provides free surgery to poor children in Guatemala. His humanitarian heart continued to shine with his involvement in the opening of a new outpatient surgery center for the foundation in Guatemala City. He and his wife, Linda, have been together for more than 30 years and have enjoyed living in Franklin for the past six. They have a loving family, complete with five children and six grandchildren. So I hope you'll join me in giving a warm Men's Leadership Network welcome to our mayor and friend, Dr. Ken Moore. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff, for having me. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for the warm welcome. Oh, Mayor, we are so glad you're here. Thank you so much for being a part of this. We're excited yeah. about it, and we just appreciate your leadership, and we want you to know yeah. that. Well, you know, I was a little confused when I came in this morning because nobody had a suit on except me, but thanks, Jose, for wearing one. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> some people thought you were the speaker. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, hey, Mayor, will you just tell us a little bit about your family and kind of your career up until this point? Well, I'd love to, okay. absolutely. <laughs> Uh, you know, I always wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was about eight years old, I told my parents, I said, well, I'm going to be a doctor. And they probably looked at me a little funny. And uh, I was blessed that uh, I was a good student and that uh, I was able to get in medical school and graduate and uh, had some great opportunities along the way to uh, get in a great orthopedic program, one of the best in the country. And uh, I guess I've always just had a lot of faith that uh, I felt like uh, I, I had the calling to be a doctor, I had the calling to be an orthopedic mm -hmm. surgeon, and so I was just very, very blessed all, all along the way. That's and not to say there weren't a few bumps in the road, but <laughs> a few nervous moments, mm -hmm. for sure. Wow. Uh, been married uh, to Linda for over 30 years. We have uh, five children between us. We have six grandchildren. and. Uh, uh, the youngest grandchildren are pretty close by. In fact, uh, tomorrow morning we're going down to their uh, uh, grandparents' day. So we'll see how they're doing. They're, they're in a lot of activities. We've got a great uh, runner in my oldest young grandchild and a great athlete in my uh, 
middle one and the young one they say looks like me. So I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know whether he does or not, yeah. but I think that's, uh, they probably want me to help with his education. So yeah. <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> wow. Well, well, tell us about the transition. You've gone from surgeon to mayor. Tell us about how did that transition happen and God's call and kind of in your life in that. Um, you know, I, I was very, very focused in my practice. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did have a lot of opportunities. I served as uh, president of the Tennessee Orthopedic Society. And I got a call from the State Medical Association once and they said, you need to come help us at the Tennessee General Assembly. And I said, well, what's it about? And so there were three scope of practice bills at the General Assembly that uh, severely impacted uh, the uh, practice of medicine. So that was really my, I worked with the General Assembly for about two years to create uh, bills that everybody could live with, which was a great opportunity to understand compromise because my first reaction was uh, expletive no uh, Mm. about what they wanted to do. And we worked out something that was uh, great for the other. other introduction to politics was when I was uh, uh, still practicing and a family friend, uh, uh, Lamar Alexander, called me when he was running for president. He said, would you raise some money from doctors? Well, raising money from doctors is like getting money out of a turnip or blood out of a turnip. Uh, But I was very successful in that. And so that kind of set the jail that, you know, I was the go-to guy to help raise money for campaigns. Uh, and then uh, nationally, I was uh, back and forth to Washington at least once a year talking about orthopedic issues uh, with Congress, uh, our Congress people. And uh, uh, so that kind of set the mood for, you know, I liked what was going on. In fact, uh, whenever I decided I was going to retire, uh, I thought I was going to go into health policy because I'd done a lot of that. And as with a lot of things in life, uh, you think you know where you're going, but your path may be in a different direction. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, what I anticipated I was going to do, and I had worked out, and uh, just didn't happen. So uh, I was pretty bored for a year. I played a lot of golf. Uh, my handicap got uh, lower. Uh, but I knew that wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I was still uh, uh, pretty young. And so I got a call uh, to... Uh, from someone that said, well, we need somebody to uh, uh, go to Bhutan. I said, well, where is Bhutan? <laughs> so I, I ended up going to uh, Bhutan and taught orthopedics for about six weeks in 2005 uh, and really uh, energized me. I really liked that. And then in 2006, I uh, went to Ethiopia for a month and taught orthopedics to orthopedic residents. And that really energized me. And so the next year I was looking forward to uh, maybe going to Moldova. I'd never been there. And so uh, I was having breakfast with a good friend at Puckett's here in Franklin. And he said, you ought to run for office. And I looked at him and I said, okay. (laughs) And so I ended up running for alderman and uh, in a field of, I think there was about 14 of us uh, for four spots. And I was successful and uh, then uh, became vice mayor, and then we had our former mayor resign to become commissioner of TDOT, and uh, the next question I was asked was, are you going to run for mayor because it was going to be an election in nine months? And I said, yes. So that's how I got here. Uh, wow. So I really, 
was an un, uh, unlikely mayor, I think, because I was pretty content to be an alderman, and uh, I thought we had a good mayor, and uh, sometimes you just know, don't know what responsibilities you're going to be given. So it's been a blessing, and it's a good time, and uh, it's fun to go to work every day. It's fun to spend a lot of hours, and uh, I think that 99% uh, of what I do is great fun. 1% is not, so... <laughs> But that's true. Yeah, that's true for everybody about everything, job. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, what's been your greatest blessing about being mayor? I mean, I mean, we love where we live. You do such a great job. What's kind of your greatest blessing about it? Well, I think the one of the greatest blessings that I listened to my wife. My mm -hmm. wife, uh, whenever I was thinking about retiring, says, "Well, I'd like to move home." And I always heard such great stories from her because she grew up here. Her, you know, her whole school life. Mm. And I kind of bounced around to a lot, a lot of places because my father was with TVA. So I had multiple schools, and so I didn't really have those roots. And so uh, it was a blessing when she said, let's move to Franklin, and I was smart enough to say yes. Uh, as far as being mayor, I mean, who wouldn't want to be mayor of the best town in America? I mean, just the, the opportunities to do so many things that, you know, our bad things or what a lot of communities would like to have. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are a, a, a very, very blessed community in so many ways and have so many assets and so many opportunities to continue to keep it that place where people want to live and raise their family and have their job or grow their business. Uh, so uh, we are truly in a very, very blessed place. Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree. What's been your biggest challenge? I mean, you think about being mayor and fast growing and what's been your biggest challenge? Well the biggest challenge is how do I, I work with the staff and the board to keep Franklin that place where people want to live, work mm -hmm. and raise a family. Uh, you know it, what, whatever we have here uh, is not something that somebody can mix two chemicals and come up with what's here. Uh, we don't know what that formula really is. Mm -hmm. But we know some of the enemies of uh, of our city is, you know, one of them is actually rapid growth. How do you engage rapid growth? And philosophically, I think the way you meet some of these challenges is with this rapid growth and uh, the issues that come with rapid growth is to make sure that you're planning way out ahead. Mm -hmm. And so in everything that we're doing from uh, uh, transportation to water, stormwater, sewer, uh, master plans for transportation for the future, land use for the future, just a lot of long-range planning. That's great. That's about true in life, too, you know. And uh, it is. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> long range planning. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty important. It's not easy because the immediate and the urgent always takes our time, but being able to look ahead and say, okay, God, what do you have for me and where's my life going? And yeah. Uh, he has a strange way of uh, speaking to us. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things I always prided myself when I was in practice, and I thought I was a good listener, and uh, actually sometimes we're not very good listeners. Uh, we, we did a poll among orthopedic surgeons in America, and we asked all orthopedic surgeons, says, uh, are you a good listener? Well, of course, you know what, the, what it was. 90% says, yeah, I'm the best listener there is. So they flipped it. They asked their patients. Well, 90% of them said their doctor was not a good listener. So I think that's a, a huge challenge is not only to listen to uh, 
God's call to us and what that is, but also listen to when people are talking to you. And, you know, I had to listen a lot when I was a, a, an orthopedic surgeon, and now as mayor, uh, I have to listen very carefully to make sure I understand what people are telling me. And, and I think one of the great lessons I've learned is, uh, and I learned it when I was practicing, is that uh, you, the patient's going to tell you what's wrong with them. It's up to you to figure it out. And sometimes the, what your diagnosis is is not the horse but the zebra, the oddball thing. So you can't rush to judgment too quick. You can't rush to judgment based on uh, how the patient's talking to you, how the patient looks. And the same goes true for uh, uh, whenever people are talking to me as, as mayor. Uh, you have to stay focused and uh, avoid those prejudices that may try to creep into your mind whenever you're trying to address an important issue. Mm. And that's so true with uh, our families, you know, our spouse, our kids. And, uh, you know, as men, we're doers, right? We want to get it done and take care of it to to stop and listen. That's a challenge for me, personally. So Um, We are all doers, and I see everybody out here this morning. Be up this early and out listening to the the mayor talk. Uh, Thank you for being here today. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Mayor, you're, what I love about you is you've always been known for your character and your integrity. And as we're talking this morning about integrity at work or integrity in life, uh, tell us about that in your own life and then how you've grown in your own personal character and integrity over the years. That, that's a tough one. And, and I would attribute uh, who I am today to my parents. Mm. I had great parents. Uh, I had a stay-at-home mom. Mm had uh, uh, parents that were uh, regular church members. Mm-hmm. Uh, they attended every time the church was open, and my father uh, was one of those people that every time the doors, even when the doors weren't open, he was down there doing something for somebody or something to make the church better. And uh, he led by example and instilled in me that work ethic, that attitude, uh, integrity, Uh, to do the right thing. Mm. Uh, I remember when he died and there was a black man that came up to me and he he didn't fit into the crowd. I mean, he he didn't look like all the other people that were there, a lot of the family friends. Uh, But he told me, he said, uh, your dad was a fine man. I said, well, thank you. And he said, he had faith in me when nobody else did and got me a job. And so uh, I think that's where I get what drives me. Mm. Hard to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's a blessing too from God. I mean, uh, I don't understand a lot of things that happen in my life. You know, I don't really have, I have some control you know, I can have a schedule and things, but a lot of the events in my life I don't really have control over. I think it's, uh, you know, opportunities are put there and it's up to me to respond to those opportunities. And uh, some I haven't responded as well as I should have, but uh, hopefully I continue to have that guidance to do the right things. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I think for all of us as um, 
husbands, as fathers, as grandfathers, uh, a lot of times our business or our career, we, we spend so much time there, but, but it's these little things, right? It's teaching the character and the integrity that you're passing on from generation to generation. And uh, it's kind of, it's something that's, uh, I don't want to make it trite, but I mean, it's, it's an intangible thing. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things that go into making that uh, integrity. Uh, and there's so many pitfalls along the way. Yeah. Certainly there's more temptations uh, along the way that try to pull us one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the question. That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate your answer and your honesty because it challenges me uh, in my own personal life because there's little eyes watching all the time, whether we mm-hmm. realize it or not. And, though, and uh, the way we act at home, but also the way we act with others, they're watching that. How we react. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Mayor, you know, I believe God never wastes an experience. And in your life, how has God taken some of your past experiences and using those even as the mayor or the husband, the grandfather you are today? How have you seen that in your life? Kylie, I've been blessed with so many great experiences. And I think that, uh, you know, the practice of medicine was so rewarding. And mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine that there's any other career that would be as rewarding and I think I found another career that is just as rewarding. Uh, I think the uh, opportunity to listen to people, those lessons that people teach me every single day, uh, whether it's somebody coming in with an issue where the city is going to affect where they live or their neighborhood, and to make sure that I intensely listen to their comments and hopefully reach something that where everybody uh, is happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't make everybody happy all the time, but certainly there's a lot of compromise. And I think that in the political environment we have today, we see a lot of uh, lack of compromise. Uh, I, I referred back to those contentious bills that were in the General Assembly, and uh, my immediate reaction was no. Uh, but. And then, then they asked me a question and said, well, what's your fallback position? I said, fallback position? There is no fallback position. But there always is a fallback position. And uh, so I, I hope that and would pray that our politicians uh, come together more on compromise than being so polarized. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's going on now in the national elections is that pretty obvious that people are pretty... Uh, Put out with the way our elected officials are acting. Yeah. So. It's interesting. We've, you know, there's obviously a huge election happening in Nashville today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are coming into election season, and uh, you know, nationally. So, I mean, you have an election coming up, so it's going to be exciting time. Uh, but there's lots of things that are going on right now uh, in the political world. And how do you see that shaping up? I mean, you, you talked about people not being willing to compromise, but do you see that even more on party lines? Or do you see maybe people are ready to say, how do we make the country better? You know? Well, I think that's what people are telling us. They yeah. want to make the country better. And fortunately, in city politics, uh, we're not uh, uh, polarized as far as Republican, Democrat, Tea Party, uh, liberal, and so on. We're, mm-hmm. we're about making the city a better place to to live. Um, but I think this this ought to be a message to uh, the elected officials that are in there now that 
uh, whenever you have the two front runners that are non-politicians, uh, there might be a message there. And I think that's, again, that challenge is, am I hearing the message correctly? Yeah. 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 Uh, well, how do we, as kind of the average man in Franklin or Spring Hill or Brentwood or wh- wherever we live, how, how do we engage our community? You know, we believe... By God's word, we're, we're called to be spiritual leaders in our home. We're called to be spiritual leaders in our community. How do you see, sitting in the seat you're in, the best way for us to make an impact and difference in our community? Well, first of all, I don't think there is an average man. Mm-hmm. I think all of us are special creations mm-hmm. by God. And I think that God gave each of us some special talents. Uh, you know, mine happened to be... Uh, being a surgeon and having those hand-eye brain skills to do some pretty complicated things. Uh, I think that uh, God gave me a skill to uh, be able to interact with people and to be able to listen. Uh, He gave me uh, a bedside manner. Uh, Those are talents. Uh, He gave me the ability to learn. Uh, But I look, you know, I see people, I say, boy, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. Everybody has a special talent, mm-hmm. and, and that's the challenge is to find that special talent and how you apply it uh, for your family, for your personal self, for your community. Uh, how do you not let that talent that you have just be used to make money or success, but how do you use it for the common good? or? helping the community, helping further the kingdom of God. I go back to my father. Mm. You know, I was getting ready to go into practice and, uh, you know, I was uh, uh, 32 years old and basically uh, uh, the only mo- I'd made uh, $600 a month uh, for the last four years, which was, you know, it took a bit to get along. Uh, but my father told me, he says, well, when you're going to move into that community and you're going to work, you give back to that community. He says, they're going to be giving to you. And so philosophically, uh, as, as me and my partners worked, you know, I don't think we ever said no to anybody that came and wanted us to buy a cushion for the football team or an ad in the paper. It was just fine. We'll do that. And fortunately, uh, at the time we were practicing medicine was a, a great time because our concerns were taking care of patients and not worrying about payment. Uh, I think that was one blessing that was really a great time in my life because all I had to worry about was doing a good job, taking care of the patient. Uh, And the monetary aspect was never really the focus. And I think that uh, the bulk of the doctors that go into practice, their focus is not how much money I can make. Unfortunately, there are some that are uh, money machines, Mm -hmm. but the focus is to take care of people and to uh, render the best care that you can with your skills. So when you talk about uh, integrity at work, integrity in the workplace, generosity, uh, character, what what are those things that you see when you go to a a place in our our city or community and you go, man, there's integrity there. I think in practicing medicine, you have to be honest with the patients. You can't put yourself 
ahead of the patient. Mm. Uh, it's important that you not have in the back of your mind, well, let's say, I could do this surgery or I couldn't do it, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's been a slow week. I think I'll go ahead and do the surgery. You, you have to guard against that attitude. You have to make sure that you're doing the right thing for the patient. And that's what makes a medical practice successful is that uh, the patients tell other patients that, well, he did a good job. That's important. Uh, he was uh, uh, he was open and honest with me. Uh, he gave me options. Uh, I understand, stood what, what was going to happen. So I think it's just being honest with your patients and doing a great job. Mm. It's just day in and day out, isn't it? Day in and day out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward to going to work and yeah. uh, seeing what may arise the next day. And yeah. certainly there are challenges sometimes, <laughs> as you know. Well, and I think as guys, we're always looking to hit the home run, you know, it's like grand slam, but I think it's that base hit day in, day out. Living for Christ in your home, living for Christ in your work, you just day in and day out. And what begins to add up is this life of integrity, this life of character. And you set a good example, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if we can follow that example, uh, life won't be too complicated. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, there are a lot of distractions <laughs> along the way, aren't yeah. there? How did your dad do that? Because you've referenced your dad, but it seems like he modeled that consistently. How did he do that? I think it was his, uh, he came from a, a family that farmed for a living, mm-hmm. uh, had uh, 11 brothers and sisters. I think they always had a lot of work, work ethic about them. Uh, they always uh, were involved with the church. Uh, they were spiritual people. Mm-hmm. And I just can't imagine not having that spirituality. Mm-hmm. When somebody talks about uh, they don't believe in God or don't have that spiritual feeling inside of them, I said, wow, how empty is that? <laughs> I mean, I just can't imagine life because, you know, life's tough. And if you don't have that something you can hang your hat on occasionally, well, actually not occasionally, but every day, yeah. wow, just how empty is that? Yeah. Yeah. How was... When he passed away with the heaven, that transition, did you feel this weight now? With, um, now I'm the one to lead the family. I'm the one to be the man of character, integrity. I mean, did you feel a weight or how did you feel in that kind of transition? Um, well, my father was an amazing man that he, uh, when, when he was in his 40s, he had colon cancer. Mm and uh, he had part of his colon removed and the cancer came back so he had a uh, total colectomy and had a uh, ileostomy you know so uh, if you don't know what ileostomy is they bring the small intestine out the abdominal wall and that's where you have your bowel movements and wow that's tough what a challenge but my father took it and went visit other patients that had that particular issue. Uh, He talked about it. Um, Then later in life, uh, he he called me and he said, you know, I've been burping a lot. I'm having some pain in my belly and some underneath my shoulder blade. And I said, you probably got gallbladder trouble. Well, he uh, went and had an ultrasound. Uh, One of my friends was his doctor and 
they found a tumor um, where his pancreas emptied into his small intestine. And so uh, they sent him to Vanderbilt. And uh, I remember uh, uh, the doctor explained the surgery, and this very complicated surgery where what called a whipple, where they take out part of your pancreas, stomach, small intestine, gallbladder, bile duct, and uh, said, well, this is a serious surgery. A lot of people don't survive it. And my father listened to that, and his uh, comment was pretty typical, and that he said, well, I just want to get up after I've had my surgery. And uh, the doctor said, well, okay, you can get up, you know, just kind of casually. Well, he went through the surgery, and the doctor called down to say that he was able to successfully do the surgery. And, of course, you can imagine with that serious a surgery, he had a tube everywhere you could put a tube and a few extra ones. And so he's um, uh, uh, lying there in bed and doped up and drugged up from uh, the medication of the surgery. And he, he tells the nurse in kind of broken words, he says, I want to get up. And, oh, no, Mr. Moore. You need to stay in bed. He says, I want to get up. A very determined man. And he, so uh, the nurse called Dr. Sawyers. And the Dr. Sawyers said, let him get up. And so he was just, he had a certain spirit and determination that uh, about him that, you know, it's a God-given thing. It's mm -hmm. not something you develop. And so uh, he survived many years after very serious cancer. So. Wow. Well, as our mayor, what are you most excited about for the, for the city, for our community? Um, what are you looking forward to? Every day I look forward to it. You know, I look forward to the number of jobs that we're creating to mm -hmm. give people opportunity. Uh, I look forward to the new things that are happening in Franklin, the growth of new businesses. Uh, I look forward to Franklin continuing to be that special place, uh, which... You know, I met a few people this morning who moved here because their uh, children are here. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is such a special place. And uh, just challenged every day to make sure that I'm doing all I can mm -hmm. to make sure that we keep it a special place. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, God has given us this place. Mm -hmm. uh, he's given us this community, this spirit that we have. And we're the stewards of that spirit in our community. So everybody should work to make sure that we continue to have that spirituality, that spirit within our community to keep it that great place. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness we are, a, we're in the Bible Belt. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. yeah. That we don't have to worry about uh, uh, not being a religious community. Mm -hmm. We worry about, I mean, how many choices of churches do we have? I mean, are we not dense with churches mm -hmm. and people of God that love uh, to talk about God and uh, each person that I come across just each one has a different spiritual element in them and it's so great to see that in our community mm. what do you want your legacy to be um, uh, that's an interesting question because uh, one of my partners was very focused on legacy and not to belittle that he, he did many, many great things in his practice uh, and certainly was recognized as a very philanthropic person. Um, then I remember a, 
the chairman of the board of our hospital where I worked, uh, he was totally against anything ever being named after anybody. So two contrasts. Um, and then I think about driving down the highway and I see a, a sign on a road or a bridge that says so-and-so. And most often my question is, who was that? <laughs> like, who is Mac Hatcher? Okay. Uh, so having my name on something is, is not really important to me. Uh, I think uh, probably the best thing somebody could say was uh, about me if they remembered me was that he was a good Christian man. Mm. Uh, not that he did this or did that, but that he lived his life as a Christian. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So what would you say to us? I mean, we, you know, all of us here, I mean, we're, we're endeavoring to be men after God's heart. We want to know the Lord. We want to be um, great husbands and fathers and uh, really make a uh, a difference for Christ in our day and our generation. Well, give us a couple of takeaways just in this area of integrity and character um, that's been such a part of your life. And um... Well, I think my comment would be that each person should listen to their heart. And uh, that heart's going to speak to you uh, from God about what's the right thing for you to do. Sometimes those choices of doing the right things are tough. Uh, there's also, don't let those decisions be too heavy. You know, we look at a lot of things that challenge us that we think that that's the end of the world. Uh, and so make sure you don't get too overburdened with that. Uh, and, you know, I think of, where I'm going with this is that I've had friends that have taken their own life mm. and that uh, that's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I like to hear, hear the comments that God never gives us more than, than we can bear. And I think that's been true. Uh, I've had some challenges in my life. You know, I've, uh, I was had a marriage uh, that, that was not successful, uh, which was um, personally very tough and uh, very tough because I ended up with the children and trying to raise them. Uh, but thank goodness that we continued that way of life that we knew, which was church attendance and uh, family time and uh, being spiritual people. So we got through the, the rough time and so don't be discouraged because uh, if we listen to God, I think things are going to work out. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Well, I think we have time for a couple of questions. Sure, Is that I'd okay? love to. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, had several, I had several come in now. Um, the first one being, what's your best advice for young leaders trying to balance work and home and do both with integrity while not shortchanging each other? Wow, and that, that is such a tough question. <laughs> and we're all challenged by it because we have so many things pulling us uh, uh, at this time. Um, I think that you have to put your priorities where they need to be. Um, and certainly uh, family is, is the most important thing. Uh, 
you know, you can change jobs, but you can't change family without some significant things. So I would focus more on family, and I think that the workforce today uh, is respectful of how much time people need for family. And I think if you'll dedicate it to your time to the most important thing, the rest of it will work out. Mm. I, I agree with you. I think that's like you got to set the priorities, right? Yeah. If you don't set the priorities, then everything else comes in and, and it takes that time. And, and says, what did you do? Uh, obviously, uh, I didn't do very well in my first marriage. Um, and, you know, my career was one that was totally engaging as far as time. I mean, I was gone. I remember one of my kids when I was in training, uh, the neighbor said, do you have a daddy? And uh, they said, oh, I, would, I do have a daddy, but I was gone all the time. Wow. So that was a challenge for me whenever I was uh, uh, working long, long hours and uh, late into the night. And certainly I can look back and say, well, I could have done a better job. But I think we can all look back and say, well, I could have done a better job. Mm -hmm. We need to learn from those lessons uh, when we look back. Uh, yeah, you can't change the past, but we can no, definitely learn from it. You know, absolutely. And go forward. That's great, great. Yeah, question two. Have you ever been in a situation when you had to make a choice to advance your career, but it would call into question your integrity? And what did you do? Uh, boy, these are tough questions. <laughs> Why don't you ask me about water and sewer or roads or traffic? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm trying to think back on a situation uh, in my career where uh, that happened. And quite honestly, uh, there may have been something, I'm just not pulling one up right now. Uh, I just don't recall a specific one uh, like that. I'm sorry. Uh, you kind of got me cold. No, uh, no, I think, but it's... Uh, uh, it's a great and not question. that I'm perfect. I'm not perfect for sure. I just can't pull up a specific um, incident in my life. Certainly there were challenges uh, uh, going along, but I just can't pull up one. I'm well, sorry. and I think even going back to what you talked about when you had those bills before you and, you know, your first initial reaction was no way and you had to come in and, and listen and compromise. And I think compromise is kind of a lost art today. You know, it seems like, especially in politics, everybody's so divided on their political lines that nobody's willing to listen to what's really best for, you know, the country or the city or community. And, and, and you, don't, you don't compromise your integrity, but you do listen to say, how can we make this best? Like you were saying, listening to the patient, you know, what's best for them and not, not just what's best for me yeah. or my career or what's gonna make me the most money. Uh, that's, well, a, that's a huge... Having people put trust in you is uh, a huge responsibility. It was a huge responsibility as a surgeon when they were coming to me uh, on what was the best thing to do for their problem. And it's also a huge responsibility today for our community that uh, making sure we're doing the things that are right for the community, not something that... Uh, makes me look great as a mayor or, or makes our board look great. It, mm -hmm. It's making sure we're doing the right things for the community. And, uh, you know, I think back uh, before I was elected, uh, a lot of controversy about uh, har buying Harlansdale Farm and buying the Eastern Flank Battlefield. I mean, 
those were there was a there was a pretty bitter time in our city because people thought we shouldn't some people thought we shouldn't buy that property and there was a lot of conversation about it and as you know uh, the city ended up buying those two properties and now we look back and say well that was a no-brainer to have 200 acres in the center of downtown franklin for a park or a hundred however many acres eastern flank is to have that right where some of the um, battle occurred and where some of the troops stayed uh, but I think that we had to look over the, those elected officials at that time had to look over some of the comments that they were losing their place where they played golf or uh, we were spending money on an old horse farm uh, and look to the better good of the community and I think that's an important thing to think about is that is this really better for the community mm-hmm yeah yeah putting others before yourself right absolutely good bible lesson yeah (laughs) go to philippians 2 yeah one more question yeah one more question don't give me a hard one okay (laughs) one more here one more here was there a time in your life when your faith values and your career became at odds with each other and if so how did you work through it Uh, i think uh the challenging time was uh whenever my wife and i divorced and um, there was a lot of confusion in my mind how I wanted to continue to work. It was an embarrassment. Uh, it was uh, a letdown for me. And I truly considered moving uh, to another place to practice medicine and maybe even go back and do some additional training just to kind of run away from the problem. Um, I remember going in and telling my partner, I says, my wife and I got a divorce. And I remember on the spot, he broke down and cried uh, because it was a very quiet thing that I didn't really share with people. Uh, I thought that I was big enough that I could handle it myself. And so I didn't reach out to uh, anybody until it was over. And that that was a mistake on my part, you know, because I certainly had the support network there. Uh, I know that if I'd talked to my partner about it, who he and I were very close, uh, if I'd talked to my minister, who I was close with, uh, just friends, and my friends were shocked about it because I didn't confide in them and try to talk through it. Uh, so that that was a hard time. Hmm. Wow. Well, I appreciate you sharing with us today, you know, and sharing your heart and um, learning more about your dad and just your character and integrity and even how God redeems the past, you know, and, yeah. and takes Well, I didn't get to talk about my mom, so who, who she was a very special person too. So uh, she died on Easter, which was uh, very appropriate for her mm. because she was a, a godly woman and uh, read the Bible a lot, loved to go to church, loved church music, and uh, for her to die on Easter, I mean, I think God called her home yeah. when he would want her to call her home. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for having me this morning. Well, and I pray that for all of us, one day our kids are being able to say the things about us as parents that you're able to say about your parents. And, yeah. Thank you. Uh, that's a great goal. Yeah, we hope so. so.
Well, let me pray for us, and then Steve, I know sure. you've got a couple of wrap-up things. So let's pray together. Father, thank you um, for our mayor. God, I just pray a blessing over him. Father, thank you for his leadership in our city, in our community. Father, thank you that he is a man of character and integrity. And God, I pray that you would anoint him with your spirit, God, that you would give him wisdom to lead us well. Father, we do pray for all of our elected officials, and God, ask that you would bless them. We pray for nationally and and father for our state and father right here in our community and father that you would do a great work through them and and so father i pray for every one of us that we would be men after your heart men who serve you all the days of our lives and god as we've heard today the impact father through the generations and so help us as men god to be people who pursue you and keep you first in our lives amidst all the other distractions that go on And God, we love you. Thanks for this time this morning. What an encouragement today. And God bless our mayor. And thank you, Father, for your presence today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm, Thanks for the prayer. Thanks for having me today. Thank you. Well, thank you all again for being here this morning. I just want to leave you with two things. Uh, First, uh, some feedback from last semester was we'd like to have some resources that we can take beyond Thursday mornings. One of those this morning that we want to bring your attention to is a great book by Matt Peterman, or Peerman, called What's Best Next? And uh, this is a fabulous book. It's not about um, just the decisions we make or the choices we make, but who we make them for. And that's what this book is all about. And it's about a lot of what we've talked about this morning, just making those decisions with integrity and um, really acting for the Lord. So I encourage you to pick that up. Um, And then secondly, we have a special guest coming next week. Um, I could tell you a little bit about him, but I think you might like this a little bit more. It's incredibly hard to balance my family life with the ninja training. It's a huge part of what I do. I do want to prove that you can still be a very high-level athlete at the age of 40. I think I have to train maybe even harder than some because of my age. But even though I'm getting some gray hairs, I'm still keeping up with some of these young guys. I'm hoping that 40 is the new 25. That's right. Next week, we have American Ninja Warrior finalist Travis Rosen joining us. So you want to make sure you be here for that. And I look forward to seeing you all next week.